This is The Guardian. Today, an ordinary day in the occupied West Bank. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A year ago today, one of the most famous Arab journalists in the world was shot and killed on assignment in the Palestinian West Bank. During her career, Shireen Abu Akleh was a pioneer for millions of women. Since her death, she's become a symbol of the terrible state of press freedom worldwide and of the Palestinian struggle. Her face has appeared on walls and billboards around the world. Nobody knew that face better than her family, People like her niece, Lena Abu Akleh, who aren't just mourning Shireen the symbol or the pioneer, they're mourning Shireen the person. Shireen's family were incredibly close. They lived in the same building. They saw each other most Sundays. A story Lena told me about was when they went on drives. Um, she would play these uh, classical Arabic uh, music. <laughs> And she would tell us, okay, yalla, guess now, who is it? And when we guess uh, wrong, she would get uh, disappointed and start laughing. And when we guess right, she would get so excited. Um, so, yeah, it was these little memories that uh, definitely, like, a lot of days I just miss hearing her voice and spending time with her. Shireen's family and her colleagues keep saying this one thing. She would have hated becoming the story. She wanted to tell other people's stories, the things that happen every day in the Palestinian territories, the things that happened on the 11th of May, the day Shireen was killed. The news that day didn't stop. There were so many other stories, but Shireen never got to tell them. She herself became the news, and it stopped her from reporting everything she wanted to. And so what we did was try to, to build that picture. Today, The Guardian's Kamil Ahmed picks up where Shireen left off, painting a picture of a day in the West Bank the world thought was extraordinary, but which, Kamil says, was anything but. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the killing of Shireen Abu Akleh and the news she couldn't report. Kamil, you're here to tell us about the day that Shireen Abu Akleh was killed. Not just about her killing, but everything else that happened that morning. The day started with a raid by Israeli forces on what they said were militants living in an area in the city of Jenin. Tell me how that morning unfolded. So the day starts 
before sunrise. Israeli forces have begun raiding Jenin and specifically Jenin refugee camp. And some journalists have caught wind of this. They've already realized what's happening and they've immediately got to the area and have captured footage and pictures. One of them is Al Jazeera producer Ali Al Sumudi. He's doing live streams, he's, he's got video of Israeli armoured vehicles entering Jenin. Now, his colleague, Shirin Abu Akleh, is already in and around Jenin. She's been reporting in Jenin for weeks, and she's heard about this raid. So at about 6.13, it's kind of sunrise has just happened, it's still pretty dark. She sends an email to her colleagues in the main Al Jazeera office in Ramallah, telling them that the raid is happening and she's going to head down. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about Shireen. What kind of journalist is she? Shireen, I think, if you're an Arabic speaker who lived in the Middle East and watched Al Jazeera, is probably very familiar to you. For many people, she's the face of news from Palestine. She, she was one of Al Jazeera's first field reporters after they launched in the 90s. A few years later, the Second Intifada breaks out, and it's this mass uprising of Palestinians within the occupied Palestinian territories against the Israeli occupation. And Shreen Abu Akleh is, for the Arab world, kind of the face reporting most of these changes and most of these events. She understood what the what the people were experiencing and she wanted to make sure that she gets their messages across. I spoke to her niece, Lena, who told me that she was trusted by people and devoted herself to the stories she was covering. She wasn't just covering wars or uh, killings, uh, events like that. No, she would cover the good and the bad. She would cover accomplishments of Palestinians. Uh, she covered all sectors, whether it's education, economy, social issues. She always made sure that she covers every angle. So by about 6.30am, Shireen and her colleagues were moving closer towards a column of Israeli military vehicles involved in the raids in the camp. Kamil, what happens next? It moves very quickly soon after that. We know that there was some kind of shooting between the Israelis and armed Palestinians within the camps. But Shireen and the journalists around her are very experienced at covering these kinds of confrontations. And they've positioned, especially at first, they've positioned themselves at quite a distance from the fighting. They slowly move a little bit closer, but still to a safe distance. But suddenly, bullets ring out and those bullets are now being fired in their direction. And what happens is Shireen is shot and Ali Al-Samudi, her colleague, is shot. 
The moments after Shireen has been shot are completely chaotic. You can hear people calling for an ambulance. You have next to her Shata Hanaisha, who's quite a young journalist, one who saw Shireen on TV growing up and wanted to be a journalist like her, and is in complete shock. She's trying to save Shireen. She's pulling at her vest, trying to get her to safety, but unable to because there are still bullets being fired. And then around the corner, you have other Palestinian journalists who are filming it, but also themselves in shock, unable to help because they can't reach where Shireen and Shata are without putting themselves in danger. And eventually a man dressed in a white t-shirt comes in and at first gets Shata away and then manages to to pull Shireen away from that spot. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that morning, the fact that she was wearing clearly a vest marked with press on it. It was just shocking. What happened next? So after that, the journalists managed to carry Shireen's body into a car that is nearby, and that car goes to the Ibn Sina hospital, which isn't too far. Alice Al-Samudi is also taken in another car. He's actually conscious. He's, he's injured in his back, but he's conscious and he's live streaming the whole thing. So he arrives at the hospital. He lies down on a hospital bed, is immediately seen by a doctor, is live streaming given this. He starts reciting the Islamic declaration of faith, something that people often do when they fear they might be dying. And then you suddenly hear in the background a car's horn. He can tell that someone has come in and that it's obvious that he hears Shireen's name and he asks, has something happened to her? Hmm. And he's told Shireen's been injured, which he then repeats to his audience. But it's only soon afterwards that he finds out the bullet that hit her has killed her. So on uh, May 11th, I remember being waken up by a phone call from my father who was in Mogadishu. He was working there. And at first I, I thought it was a mistake that he's calling me because he never calls me that early. I thought he might he wanted to call my mother. It was after two missed calls that I called back and he told me, uh, Lena, I just received a notification on my phone that Shireen has been injured. He said, try calling her. And I started looking up hashtags on social media and I immediately saw a picture of her being carried into the car and her head, there was blood all over her, covering her head. So then she gets in contact with Al Jazeera colleagues of Shireen's and they are themselves trying to confirm what's happening. At first, they're hoping that though she's seriously injured, that she's alive. They were trying to make me feel better. They said, don't worry, we're trying to get her to the hospital. Uh, nothing serious. It wasn't like two minutes after that, her other colleague called me and she said she was screaming, crying, sobbing. She said, Lina, Shirin, astashadat, Shirin has been martyred. Lina describes her aunt Shirin as having been martyred, which is a very common way for Palestinians to describe the death of a Palestinian who has been killed 
by Israeli forces. And ever since then, our entire lives have changed forever. So I was in a state of shock. I couldn't, I didn't comprehend what was happening. Because usually Shirin would be the one going to the families of martyrs to cover the news. But I never for once imagined that we would be in that situation. I thought like, Shirin is the one who always breaks the news. How can it be that she was the breaking news this time? Breaking news overnight, a reporter for the Al Jazeera network was shot and killed while covering an Israeli raid in the West Bank. She went into the hearts of every single Palestinian and I dare say every Arab uh, household because of her touching reporting and the way Extremely that she high profile death made all the more high profile by the fact that she had US citizenship and the American ambassador uh, in Jerusalem has called for a full investigation. Kamil, by 7am that morning, Shireen Abu Akleh was killed and the UN's Human Rights Office has since found that it was Israeli soldiers who killed her. Those of us outside this region might have thought that her shooting was the only big event that happened that day, but it wasn't. As all of this was playing out in Janine, in the north of the occupied West Bank, around the same time, at the opposite end of the territory, there was something else going on, something Shireen herself might have gone to cover in a Palestinian community called Masafiriyata. Tell me about that community and what was happening there that morning. Masafiriyata is a cluster of villages. Many of the people who live in them, their livelihoods are based on raising livestock. Some of them are Bedouin, some of them are just general herders. Uh, the livelihood, first first of all, like the people here, in each community there is like tens of caves where they dig in the stones. Some of these caves are over than 100 years. I spoke uh, to Basil al-Adra, a Palestinian activist who grew up in Masafariyata. They don't live in cities or even ordinary villages. Some of them actually even live in caves. Uh, and the life of the Palestinians here are mainly farmers. Uh, mostly having sheep, blowing the land with seeds, olive trees, and other trees. And, also and so what w- was happening there on this particular morning? So on this morning, there were military vehicles and bulldozers gathering at a settlement near to Masafariyata. Sightings of those vehicles gathering were reported to local activists and journalists by some of the shepherds who were already up and had started their day. And they they acted immediately to go and see what was happening. The reason those reports got to them is because Masafriyata is an area where the entire Palestinian population is under threat of expulsion. It was declared by Israel to be a firing zone to be used by the military and that the villages are in the way. And so a week earlier, after a two-decade case, the Israeli High Court had cleared for those villages to be demolished and for the population to be removed. It has one goal, which is stealing the land of the Palestinians, stealing our land and always like expanding the settlements and always like putting pressure on the, on the life of the people who's living in the what's so-called firing zone in a way to let us leave this land. 
It is a colonization. What's going on here in Musafiriyata? It's a, it's a war. So by May 11th, the process was already underway to start clearing the villages, and Basel has been filming all of that happen. In his videos, you see families standing outside their homes, big bulldozers literally rolling over them, and they're kept to the side by heavily armed Israeli soldiers and having to watch all of that happen. The way the occupation is experienced by Palestinians manifests in several ways. For Palestinians in the West Bank, it's often these moments or hours when the military or police come in and they try to arrest someone or they try to demolish your home and maybe you try to build it again and it happens again that's how that's their interaction with the occupation forces wake up it's traumatic for the kids it's traumatic for us to be honest as well like uh, we co- we couldn't sleep there are soldiers moving around and a lot of time they would enter the house and make us feel afraid there's no way to act during the demolition because they really bring like forces with all the power, you know, like you can't stop the demolition. Kamal, this particular morning, May 11 last year, it wasn't over. You followed another event that day, starting in a suburb on the outskirts of Ramallah, which is a city north of Jerusalem. As the country was waking up to the news of Shireen Abu Akleh's killing, a young boy called Tayyir Yazuri was being dropped off at school by his dad, Khalil. What happened next? Well, Tayyir started his day, he had a lesson, but then his teachers were on strike. And so it's about just after nine, He's released from school and him and his friends are walking back home. But in the meantime, some of the Palestinian youth in the area had learned about Shireen being killed and decided to protest near the Israeli settlement, which kind of looms over the area they live in. Israeli settlements are housing developments illegally built on Palestinian land. They burnt some trash cans and they threw rocks at the soldiers and the soldiers began firing at them and chasing them away from the settlement and into the residential area, which is where Tyre was walking. And so he ends up coming across this confrontation between the youths and the soldiers. And he doesn't really know where to go. Him and his friends, they're watching it from afar, trying to hide behind buildings and vans. And one of the bullets that an Israeli soldier fires ends up piercing through the van that Tyre is hiding behind and hits him in the chest. God, how how old was he? Tyre was 16, so he, he was still a boy. He was a child? Yes. How did his parents find out about this? Tyre's mother, Maria, she'd been following the news about Shireen when she came across this report of a boy called Tyre Ali Yazori who had been killed in Albire, which is the area they live in. But the report says he's 18. And so that creates some confusion for her. And so they, they call the hospital, they try to find out what's going on. And it eventually is confirmed that it was her son.
So by 9.30am on this one morning, you have two Palestinians shot dead. One a famous journalist, the other a 16-year-old boy whose death was barely reported, who witnesses say was killed by the Israeli Defence Forces. The IDF haven't publicly addressed Tyre's death. They said their soldiers were firing rubber bullets only and in response to people throwing stones. But that morning, how were Palestinians reacting to all of this terrible news? Within an hour or two, there's a billboard, an electric billboard over Al-Manara Square, which is the centre of Ramallah, with a picture of Shireen mourning her. There are people in Jerusalem throughout the West Bank mourning her. It's all over TV. And many of them are already arriving at Shireen's family home where Lena and her, her mother and other relatives are. It was very early on, like around 9 or at 9 a.m., I think our house was already packed with people who were coming in and trying to make sure we're okay, bringing us like water. Um, so many uh, women were in the kitchen trying to make to make like sandwiches for us. Everyone was there to hunt us. And this just showed how much Shirin was loved. Not long afterwards, people arrived to mourn with Shirin's family. They give out food to the mourners, which is a common Palestinian tradition. And some also start putting Palestinian flags up. Outside her house, chants begin. And they're a combination of chants in grief for Shireen's death, but her status in Palestinian society has also made it a rallying call And so some of those chants are also politicised and call on resistance against the Israeli occupation. Not long after people arrive, they're giving out food, and some people have put up Palestinian flags. And Israeli police arrive and complain about those Palestinian flags and try to shut down this gathering. They came in, and I remember I was at the door, and they were walking up to our house. And I was very confused as to why they're there. Initially, my first thought was that they're there to discuss the case and to apologize, you know, and that's what you call wishful thinking. But that wasn't the case. They were there to put uh, constraints and limits on how we were going to be mourning Shirin. They didn't want there to be gatherings outside the house, no flags, no uh, chants. And everyone was very outraged by their presence in our house. People inside the house were screaming at them. I remember my, my mother was telling them that you need to leave. And everyone was telling them, you're not welcomed here. On top of the fact that they killed her, they were coming in to tell us how to mourn her. That was the outrageous part, you know, that the audacity that they had. There's just this massive outpouring of grief. And you also kind of see it in videos of what happens after Tyre is confirmed dead. His body is carried from the hospital. And they start walking it home through the middle of Ramallah towards his home. And they end up passing below 
the billboard of Shireen. I think the way Palestinians reacted, for some people, Tara's death was connected to Shireen. You later saw them put pictures of him and her together, especially his schoolmates. But when I spoke to his father, he had a slightly different view. So for him, there was no specific link between just Tyre and Shireen. Tyre was one of 36 children killed last year by the occupation. Coming up, revisiting the events of that morning to see what's happened since. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Kamil, it's been a year since this one morning that you focused on, May 11 last year. In the time since, has there been any kind of justice for Tyre's killing? No, not really. There, there have been a couple of investigations by human rights groups that have outlined what exactly happened because it was initially claimed that he was hit by a rubber bullet, but human rights groups have investigated and found that that was not true, that it was a live bullet and it could have only been a a live bullet that could have killed him from that distance. His father said that someone from the Israeli military did come afterwards and talk about investigating it, but that no one ever returned. He He just hasn't heard anything since. And I mean, I asked him, does he think there will be justice? And 
he said no, and that there is no justice. Justice is missing was the phrase he used. And if, if there was justice, none of these things on that day would have happened. What about Shireen's killing? What's happened in the year since then? In the immediate aftermath of Shireen's death, we saw again shocking images, this time from Jerusalem, at her funeral. New video shows Israeli police clashing here with a crowd of mourners who appear to have been beaten with batons, actually causing the pallbearers to briefly drop Shireen's casket. There had been a lot of confusion on the day um, about how her body was going to be taken from the hospital in Jerusalem to where she would be buried. And people wanted to carry her. But the Israeli police did not want this kind of... They, they didn't want the funeral to become this moment where that Palestinians rally behind. And so those people who had lifted up her coffin ended up being attacked by a group of Israeli riot police. And they almost drop it. The Israeli police said they intervened because they already had an agreement with Shireen's family to put the coffin in a hearse, which the mourners refused to do. And what about when it comes to justice for her killing? Unlike Tayyir, Shireen was a US citizen. Have they done anything to make sure someone's held accountable? Shireen's prominence meant there was far more attention on her case. In the moments and hours after Shireen was killed, the Israeli military and the prime minister's office suggested that Shireen had been killed by a Palestinian bullet, one fired by the armed groups in the refugee camps. But that was proven by human rights groups and by several media investigations that it was very unlikely and probably impossible. And the Israeli military later conceded that it was likely that it was one of their bullets that killed her. Since then, Lena and the family have really struggled for more justice. Any family of a US citizen who is killed abroad expects their government to put its resources behind an investigation. This is the very least the Biden administration must do. They cannot rely on Israel's word. War criminals cannot investigate their own crimes. Al Jazeera and her family, and this is where Lena has played a massive role. She's really actively campaigned for there to be justice for Shireen. They've asked the ICC to investigate it, but have had very little progress. And they've also campaigned for the US to open an investigation. We must help stop the enabling of more death and violence by just looking away, right? They continue to look away. And it isn't lost on me at all that maybe, maybe if for some of my colleagues, that if they need to take out the word Palestinian from Palestinian American for her life to matter, that they actually would support it. It's really important that, one, that we achieve justice for Shireen and we, that there's justice and accountability for what happened to her because we have all the facts, the evidence is clear. Even the UN has said it, that uh, Shireen was killed by an Israeli soldier. You know, nothing we ever do we will bring her back. But when we get justice, at least we know that we are one step closer to achieving accountability. 
You know, we don't want to see any other family mourning or suffering like ours has. It's really important that um, these crimes that go unpunished, that there needs to be accountability. Now, with that, considering Shireen is a U.S. citizen as well, they eventually did say that they will be investigating what happened. We call for an immediate and thorough investigation and full accountability. Uh, we, it is important to us that those who are responsible for her death uh, be held responsible. That full accountability. Israel has said that it won't cooperate with the investigation, however. Since the U.S. investigation was announced in November, there hasn't been much update and it's not really clear when there will be one. And I think there is concern that this could be quite a long process. And what about in Msafidiata, the community you told us about that was under threat of eviction from Israeli bulldozers? Msafidiata has since seen many demolitions. They are still facing the threat of eviction. They have said that they fear that it could just happen one night, that they will be surrounded and be evicted. For now, there are demolitions happening. There used to be a school in the area given education to 12 children who live in nearby villages. But on the 23rd of November, the Israeli army bulldozed the school, saying it was built without a license and at a place where the Israeli army declared a firing zone. And alongside that, there is quite regular violence from settlers who attack their livestock or their land. So, they're basically living on edge. Kamil, you've been telling us about Shireen's killings and all of these events that she wasn't able to report on. And I guess the thing I'm wondering is, if this were happening anywhere else, this would be an absolutely extraordinary morning full of tragedy. But in the West Bank, how extraordinary, how unusual was May 11. A lot of these events happen every single day. And I think that day would have passed by without many people noticing if Shireen hadn't been killed. As a journalist who was based there and reported there, we saw these news stories every single day. Perhaps the number of demolished houses or the number of people arrested or the number of people killed may have changed by one or two. But UN statistics show us that 155 Palestinians were killed by the Israeli military in 2022. Among them, including Tyre, was 36 children. Last year was considered the deadliest year for Palestinians in the West Bank since the Second Intifada. This year, the rate of death has already been faster. I think the events of this day show what happens on most days away from the negotiations or the Palestinian factions and the Israeli government and any international negotiators. For Palestinians, ordinary Palestinians, this is actually every day. This is the routine they go through and how they view and understand what occupation is. It's more about surviving and where they live and how they go to school and how do they do this safely and just get through the days. 
Kamil, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Kamil Ahmed, a Guardian journalist whose interactive story about the day Shireen Abu Akleh was killed. You can find at theguardian.com or just Google Guardian and the killing of Shireen Abu Akleh. It'll be the first result. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Alex Atak and Rose DeLarabiti. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Homer Khalili. And we're back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.